Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. I'm David Haynes, and I'm joined by Thomas Majors. And Thomas, I am so excited about our topic today. Maybe I'm excited because I thought it up, but I'm really (laughs) excited about it. This topic is going to be about writing a letter to ourselves 10 years ago. If I could write a letter to me 10 years ago, what would it say? And we're not talking about the mundane things about everyday life. We're talking about preaching. We're talking about ministry. And so the two aspects we're going to take this is really pastoral advice. What would I say to myself 10 years ago concerning preaching and concerning ministry? So I'm just going to jump right in, Thomas. And my first one about preaching advice is I would say, young David Haynes, explain the text because it is of utmost importance. Amen. You know, as, as I look back at sermons, my sermons change about every five years, my sermons change. So 10 years ago, this is right now, January of 2020. So in January of 2010, I was concluding my ministry at Little Creek Baptist Church. I would leave there in just a few months. That was my first pastorate. I would leave there pretty soon to go to my second pastorate. I'm currently in my third pastorate. And whenever I look back at my sermons back then, they were okay. They were okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to say, oh, I wish you had done some things differently. And I would say, focus, focus, focus on the text because it is of utmost importance. What about you, Thomas? My first advice that I would give myself is listen to Dr. Meeks. And that's the way I've got it here on my notes, but I'm going to explain just a little bit. When we were at Blue Mountain College, did we have preaching class together? Yes, we did. We sure did. Yeah. So That preaching class, Dr. Meeks, he taught us a particular way to to develop sermons. And so I would say to myself, listen to Dr. Meeks. And what I've learned over the years is that if I can, if I just sit down with a piece of paper and I really work on my foundational elements of the sermon, whether you call it ETS, ESS, OSS, or CIT, or... uh, CPT or whatever you're going to call it, what, whatever you're going to do, make sure you start out with the foundation. What does the text say? What is the sermon about? What do I want the hearers to know? Give a probing question or something, or if maybe if you're going to use Haddon Robinson style of subject compliment, whatever it is, just spend more time on the foundational elements so that you can make your sermons uh, pointed and that they have a point to them. That's what I would tell myself. Go back, listen to Dr. Meeks, focus on those foundational elements. Yeah. All right. right. The the next two that I want to share really go hand in hand. I would tell my younger self to start typing your sermons and printing them on notebook paper. I'm weird. I've gone through handwritten sermons. I've gone through typed manuscripts and, and I have fluctuated back and forth. And what I have been doing for probably the last four years is typing everything out, not in a true manuscript form, but in my way of shorthand, knowing what I'm saying, and then I print it on notebook paper. I keep my sermon outline in my Bible and I actually tape it in my Bible. I narrow it down to one page and I tape it in my Bible and notebook paper is so thin that it doesn't distort the natural lay of the Bible pages. And whenever I discovered that, I thought, where has this been my whole time? And it made my preaching much more easy because I wasn't worried about the notes being in a separate book or over on a page that is outside of my Bible. Everything is right there together. And in saying that, I would tell myself, preach your sermons earlier in the week. 
Thomas, the first time I ever preached in a nursing home, I was 21 years old. I have been preaching basically every week at a nursing home or a jail since I was 21, and I'm going to be 40 in just a few weeks. So half my life, I have spent preaching once a week somewhere other than church. And I used to preach my son early on whenever I was a youth guy. My Sunday school lesson, I would preach it the following Thursday, teach it on Sunday morning, preach it on Thursday at a nursing home or Tuesday on the nursing home. And then I then I got into a, a rhythm of when I became a pastor of preaching on Sunday, and I'll take my Sunday morning message, and I would preach it again on at Thursday at a nursing home. Whenever I started at Trinity Baptist in Fulton back in the year 2015, I, I, I reversed it. On Thursday, that's the first time I preached my Sunday morning message. Like this morning, we're recording this on a Thursday, I preached at Charleston Place Nursing Home, where assisted living in Fulton, Mississippi. I preach there three times a month and at the Itawamba County Jail once a month. And so I preach that on Thursday, and then I refine it through the weekend, through my thought process. And then Sunday morning, it's not the first time I preached it. And I would tell myself, continue doing nursing home ministry, but have your sermons done by Wednesday evening so you can preach it Thursday morning at a nursing home. Yeah, so for my second, I would say don't spend so much time on sermon preparation. <laughs> I mean, it sounds kind of crazy that I would say something like that, but but early on in my ministry, 10 years ago, I was spending hours upon hours upon hours preparing one sermon. And then you prepare that one sermon, then you got Sunday night sermon, and then you've got Wednesday night. And I think I was spending so much time because I wasn't focusing on the foundational elements. Foundational elements really help prepare a sermon, develop a sermon. But but back then, I would, I would probably say that I was spending 15 to 20 hours per sermon. Uh, that's, that's a lot that's of a hours. That's a lot of hours. <laughs> that's a lot of hours per sermon. And so that's a lot of hours that I could have been uh, doing something else. And, you know, those sermons, they last for 20, 30 minutes. That's a lot, that's a lot of time. And so now I don't spend that much time, and maybe because that's I've grown in my understanding of the Bible, my understanding of preaching, but I would just go back and I would say, hey, don't spend so much time. Just uh, study the text, explain the text, apply it to their life, do that. That's, that's what I would say. And I think that's good, Thomas. My last two, I'm gonna I'm gonna put into one. Really, there is this three A and three B. I would tell myself ten years ago, do not be afraid of systematic preaching. I had just ventured into the idea of systematic preaching, preaching through books of the Bible. I probably started that now eleven years ago, and so I would have been in the infant stages of it, and I was scared. I was really scared of it. I was intimidated by the idea of preaching through an entire book. I was raised with guys who did popcorn some sermons and Sunday, Saturday night specials. Yeah. And, and it was different to begin planning and preparing my preaching in that systematic way. And then I would also say to that, don't be afraid to change. About a year and a half ago, I went to a preaching Sunday morning series, four weeks to 18 weeks of series. And, and, and I think preaching, my preaching philosophy is ever evolving. And I believe the result is better preaching. And so I would say, don't be afraid of systematic preaching. Don't be afraid to change. So, Thomas, what's your last preaching advice? My last preaching advice would be tell more stories. <laughs> and, and I lean more to, towards explanation. Even today, I lean more towards explanation than I do illustration. And so I would, I would go back and I'd say, listen, 
you're being too weighty on them. They, they can't listen to you explaining the text for 30 minutes. Tell a story. Let them, let them calm down. Let them, yeah. let them take a breath along the way. And, and there's just something about stories that we like. And I can usually on a Sunday morning, if I'm preaching, if I'm explaining the text, especially if it's something difficult, I can say something like, hey, would y'all like to hear a story? And you can almost see the people, ah. Oh, finally <laughs> their arms yeah. have been crossed and then they'll just kind of drop them yeah. like yeah <laughs> yeah we want it to be story time come on pastor tell us a story <laughs> we want to hear something and so i would go back and i say learn that tell tell stories explain the text yes but tell stories so that they can they can have a time to relax in the sermon and and there's a lot a story can do you know a story an illustration can serve as explanation, application, or argumentation. And so you can explain the text through a illustration or a story. You can apply the passage through a story. And so it, it really does double duty. Yeah, Jesus told a lot of parables. He told a lot of stories to help walk along beside the text. Thomas, let's move on to ministry advice. I've got a few things here, and I know that you do too. One thing that jumped out at me as I was preparing to write this letter to me was about what I would tell myself 10 years ago. Well, there's a phrase. There's a phrase, maybe you've heard it. According to uh, phrases.org, John Hayward was the first person to ever write this phrase back in the year 1546. Wow. And this phrase is really good. Are you ready for it? Here it is. There are none so blind as those who will not see. I would tell my younger pastor self, you can never do enough to please some people. So guess what? Don't lose sleep over it. Be who God has called you to be. And if they're blind and they don't see what the Lord is doing and they don't see the finer details of ministry, that's okay. That's okay. You'll one day stand before the Lord and will give an account for what he has called you to do. That's good. I, I like that. I, my first advice as far as ministry, pastoral ministry that I would give to myself 10 years ago is make decisions for your family not necessarily because of the church. And so let me give you two examples, okay? First example would be we homeschool our children now. But when I first started out in ministry, Tom Tom was in first grade, and he went from first grade to third grade at a public school. And early on, my wife said, hey, I really want to homeschool our kids. And we had this discussion every year multiple times through the year, just say, I really want to homeschool. I believe that we should do so. And I'd say, I don't, I just don't feel like we can because at the time there were many people in the church that I was serving who were working in that public school, whether in the elementary or in the administration of it. And so I just felt like my hands were tied. And looking back now, we should have not let that be a concern. Right, that of, didn't matter at it all. Was, it wasn't a concern yeah. for Amanda. It was yeah. a concern for me. <laughs> I should have made a decision that I thought was best for my family and not, not allowed that aspect of ministry to get into it. The second story that I would give about that, make a decision for your family, uh, based on your family. In the process of changing churches from my second pastorate to my third pastorate, I'd planned on a family vacation, had it booked for months. And through the process of moving the churches, it just 
it worked out that I was called to the church. I went back to the church I was serving and resigned. And then the very next week, we were supposed to go on vacation. And so I just told my wife, I was like, I just, I don't think it would be right for me to go on vacation <laughs> during my two week notice. <laughs> and so my family, they went on to the mountains and would send pictures and go kart races and all of the things that they were doing, all the places that they were eating. And I, and I kept telling myself, well, you made, you made a right decision. You made a noble decision. Yeah. Stay How do you home. feel about that now? Uh, that was a wrong decision. I should have went on vacation with my family. And I should have because I've left that church behind. Yeah, that's right. My family is with me. And so there's decisions that I made along the way that I made more so for how the church would perceive me or my ministry than I did for my family. And so I, I would change that. I'd say and make, make some decisions for your family that they would want. What about you? What's your second? All right. My second ministerial advice is learn how to manage ministerial grief. As pastors, we are called to do funerals and to minister to people who are hurting, but often we are also hurting. Maybe that deceased one is someone we looked up to as a father or a grandfather in the ministry or a friend in the ministry. And, and we looked up to that church member and we are hurting. Now, I, I, I write that down because Right now, at this point in my life, I am better at learning how to cope with certain things. I am more spiritually healthy or maybe emotionally or mentally healthy than I've ever been when it comes to the ministry. And it took going through and learning how I process grief. And, and it took me dealing with those difficult circumstances to be able to say, okay, now I'm managing ministerial grief at the best I ever have in my ministry. And I just wish I'd learned it earlier. I don't know that I could have, but I wish that I would have. What's your next idea? Mine is don't be aloof. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, a, I'm an introvert. You know that. I have the tendency at the church to be, to be aloof. And, and as I've thought through this idea over the last couple of days as we've been preparing for this podcast, I took some advice from some old preachers. Yeah. And some of those old preachers, I remember them saying, when you go to your church, don't be their friends, be uh -huh. their pastor. Uh-huh. They'd say, well, you just, there's going to be some things that you need to preach. And if you're their friend, you won't be able to do so. I took that advice. And it was bad advice. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> there's just no way around. That is bad advice. Yeah. It is better to minister to people from a relationship than it is to be a person that, that is aloof, that, that comes in and preaches and just leaves. And so if I could go back, I, I would tell myself, don't be aloof. Don't listen to that old preacher's advice. Make friends. And, and I've really, I've lost out on some friendships because of that, some lifelong friendships that I could that I could have had. So yeah. Right, now, I, now, I want to follow up on that. One of the first people that I ever heard mention that is a pastor by the name of Mark Hoover. Mark serves what First Baptist 
Haiti, Missouri. And, uh, and Mark has been a friend of mine for years. Mark first asked me that many years ago, and he says, what's your idea? And we discussed that. And for those of us who have been told, I was told the same thing you were told. Mark Hoover was told the same thing you were told. And there's a struggle there. And I agree, that is the wrong perspective. But I think this is what those old-timey preachers were thinking. One of these days, I may have to hammer down, and I may have to hurt some feelings, and I'd rather hurt feelings of people that I'm not friends with than hurt feelings of my friends. And I think that's what it comes down to. Some of that advice comes from those pastors have been burned yeah, and they have not went through the grief process. Absolutely. In a healthy way. And and they're just passing that on to the next generation. Hey, listen, I've been burned by somebody that I thought was my friend. It's best just not to be friends with them. Just don't be friends with them. Yeah. You won't lose. You won't hurt. That's just bad advice. That's terrible. That's terrible. Tis better to have loved and lost lost than never to have loved at all. That is so poetic. Thank, Thank you, you, Longfellow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's, here's my next idea, Thomas. Uh, and this, this, this is wrapping, wrapping my ideas up, really. Um, I would say to my younger self, personally disciple others through building relationships. Now, that's interesting. What you've just talked about is similar to what I'm saying, build relationships. The second pastorate I had was difficult and it was hurtful, but I've recovered. I've recovered. In looking back at my time at Trinity Baptist Church. I've been there. Well, it'll soon be five years that I'll be completing. And, and, and there was a there was a healing process. There was a grieving process of what we experienced at the previous church. Uh, but now I can see that what I'm doing is, one of the main things I'm doing is personal discipling others through building relationships. Right now, I have, I have two groups that we meet on a monthly basis. Uh, there's a four-person, four-guy group that we meet uh, for lunch. And then there's a six-person guy group um, that we meet for breakfast once a month. And it has been so good for me to just talk. We usually spend an hour in our lunch groups. Uh, the more the breakfast group is more like an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes. And sometimes it stretches on up to three or three and a half hours. And it is so good to just sit around a table and laugh and discuss and talk about some things. Here's an interesting point. The six person breakfast group, there's a guy who is in his early seventies who is lost. Uh, he's coming with us and he loves it. He has no, he has, he has never been saved and he is questioning certain things about ministry and about the Bible. And, and, and we're seeing a spark in him when it comes to the things of God. And so it's awesome. not just discipleship. That relationship is evangelistic. Right. And so that is one thing I would say is invest in people relationally. Do you have another one, Thomas? So my last one would be similar to that, not necessarily in the sense of pastor to church, but in pastor to pastor. as as we have this podcast together, man, this is just so refreshing to be able to come and to be able to uh, to talk and to have fellowship. But you and I have been uh, doing something very similar to this over the years. We go to uh, evangelism conference That's together. Right. We uh, hang out together at the conventions. Yeah. But early on in my ministry, I kind of segregated myself. And I, I don't know, I don't know why that was. I don't know if it was because I was busy. Uh, but are, are maybe or this, this is a podcast about ministry, right? Yeah, it's just us talking. What do you want to share? <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody else is listening. Yeah, nobody else. There, there could be this tendency between pastors to feel jealous. And so we do that, that jealousy, uh, that envy, mm-hmm. that one upmanship, uh, I gotta right. be better than him. Yeah. It, it causes us to 
break fellowship with other pastors and we need other pastors. One of the the joys of the last few years of my ministry has been the pastors conferences that we go to yeah. almost every month, you know, That's the right. Northeast Mississippi pastors conference. So I would tell myself 10 year ago, self, you need to be around some other pastors, be friends with them, have fellowship with them and just, just calm down, <laughs> just calm down. Okay. <laughs> just calm down. All right, David, we're here at First Baptist Church, Nettleton. We came to Nettleton to record some podcasts. The pastor of First Baptist Nettleton, Bradley Gino, is here. So we're going to call him in and, and ask him some of these questions because we've been talking about what advice we would give. I'm sure he would have some advice for himself as well. So Bradley, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I uh, have been in ministry now for uh, almost 19 years. I started out as a youth minister. Um, and was in youth ministry for about eight years. Have have been in pastoral ministry now for ten years. I actually um, started my. I actually preached my first sermon as an official pastor uh, January third, twenty ten. And so it's it's been interesting to think about that as y'all have been. You know, what would you say to yourself ten years ago? And it was ten years ago that I actually became an official pastor. And so what would I looking back? What would I say to myself then? And so. Uh, but it's it's been a journey, and God has 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 blessed us in 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 this ministry and blessed my family and uh, learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, man. Well, what would you tell yourself? We've been talking about preaching advice and ministry advice. So, so what would you tell yourself ten years ago? Um, well, thinking back to that, uh, if starting with with just preaching advice, um, when I when I first started out, coming out of out of youth ministry into pastoral ministry. As a youth minister, I was only speaking or preaching one time a week, um, and and so that gave me a lot of time to to do a lot of different things. But then, becoming a pastor, all of a sudden now I'm having to preach three times a week. You don't have no time, right? You don't have, <laughs> you don't have no time for anything else, so, right? And, and so, as as youth ministers, you were kind of I was a lot freer to to address different topics and jump from one thing to the other. But as a pastor. I tried to do that early on in 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 pastoral ministry and and really began to see how difficult it was to to try to do a topical sermon every week or those popcorn sermons like you referred to while ago, David, um, and just how difficult that was. And so I had kind of transitioned at that point. I think I about six months into my first pastorate, I, I transitioned and went more to book by book, verse by verse. And of course, there were a lot of pastors I had that I had listened to and read, and that's that was their formality. And so I kind of adopted that and started doing that. And and honestly, when I did that, it made it a lot easier. Because then I there was no question of where I was going the, the next week. I, this is where I've been, this is where I'm going. And and so it made it a lot easier, but it also brought a challenge. And the challenge was it it caused me to have to deal and wrestle with difficult passages. That we you would often jump over. That's right. And, and and so you know, when you when you do those popcorn sermons, you can jump around those difficult. Well, I don't have to preach that passage, uh, but you know, when you when you go book by book, verse by verse, it causes you to wrestle with that. And, and so that was that's that's one thing that if I ha- I could go back, I would say you know, pre- preach the text, preach the the passage. Uh, book by book, verse by verse, because it, it does work out a little easier, but it does also challenge you. Another preaching advice I, I would give that kind of goes along with that um, is to know 
the text or the passage well enough that if you had to preach it without notes. And here's why I say that. Former church I pastored before coming here to, to Nettleton, uh, I had gotten used to using a tablet. And and one Sunday I got up and had my tablet up there, and about five minutes into my sermon, the tablet died. Oh, oh no. My. Devil got in that <laughs> <Yeah>. tablet. <laughs> yeah, so, so my tablet died, and I, I'm looking down, and I'm going, all right, now what do I do? And, uh, Let's I, have a benediction, yeah. please. Yeah, that, that was great. Hope y'all, the spirit leading. <laughs> hope you enjoyed that five-minute sermon. Let's pray. Um, but I have, I have always... Um, printed out a little note sheet for the congregation to use to follow along with with the sermon. And so I just kind of quietly kept talking and slipped down to the front row where where I had a note sheet sitting down there, and I picked it up and, and got back up there and and just preached using that outline. Because uh, I'm, I'm a manuscript guy, and I like things written out. It keeps me focused, and, and you know, because if I don't have it, I tend to chase a lot of rabbits. And so, but I, I did. That day I picked it up, and I thought, man, I'm glad that I spent the time in, in the week ahead or whatever studying this passage and knowing this passage well enough that I could have done it without my notes in front of me, and, and I had to that day. And there were folks in, in, the, in the congregation who they said, we didn't even know. And, and they said, really, we, we wondered why you walked off the stage down to the front row <laughs> yeah. and then came back up. And I said, well, here's why. And, and so I, I would, you know, that's, that's a piece of advice I, I would give myself. Know, know it good enough that, that you can do it without that. All right, so thinking about ministry advice, there's, there's two things that I, that I would say to myself 10 years ago. The first being, uh, take things slow. Early on as a pastor, I'll be honest, I, I am a I live with my head in the clouds type guy. And, and a lot of times I'll go into a situation and, and see a big picture and say, let's go after it. Um, thankfully, God has blessed me with, with a wife who is more a realist and, and grounded. And, and so I can bounce some things off of her and say, here's, here's what I got in mind. And she can say, well, hold on now. You need to back up, think about this and, and walk through this. Um, so there were times early on in, in my ministry as a pastor where I would try to push things a little faster than, than what they would need to go need to be. And, and I learned as, as, as you guys know, um, change in, in most Baptist churches, especially in the South, um, <laughs> doesn't have, word. It, it doesn't happen <laughs> fast. It, you know, yeah, it, it happens slowly. And, yeah. and so that's, that's one thing I had to learn, you know, take your time, get to know your folks, um, incorporate them into what needs to be done. Take, you know, and so just take it slowly, uh, and, and know that eventually whatever vision or, or passion God gives you in your heart for whatever church you're serving in, you'll get there eventually. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight, uh, but eventually you'll you'll get there. A second piece of ministry advice I would say is is make time for family. Uh, I, I was blessed to have have a mentor, um, Brother Bert Harper, uh, who who I grew up under his his ministry at West Jackson Street in Tupelo, who instilled that in me early on in my ministry. Uh, he he was uh, he he just said you know family is most important. And, and I've known guys who have sacrificed family for ministry, and, and it's caused big problems for them, big problems in their families, marriages. And so, uh, you know, I, I would say uh, always make time for family. I, I know one of the things here at, at Nettleton, one of the first things I told them was, you know, if, if I'm here at the church, it's normally I'm in the office studying, preparing, and things like that. If I'm not here, it's because I'm out visiting somebody. If I'm not visiting, I'm at home with my uh, you know, I, I, I'm a father of three girls, and uh, they they love when daddy's at home and spending time with daddy. And and 
daddy loves to be home with them. And so, you know, family is important because God makes it clear in his word, how are you going to manage my people if you don't manage your own family? Uh, how do you as a pastor, as a minister, show the love of Christ to the people you're ministering to if you're not showing it to your family first? Uh, and, and so that's that's huge. So make time for family and, and, and be sure uh, you're there for them. And then the last piece of ministry advice I would give, and it's one that's really just, it's it's kind of becoming new to me. Uh, I'll be 41 in, in April. And, and this advice is invest in younger ministers. Um, I, I'm thankful for, for older men who invested in me. But as I think back uh, on my ministry now, 18, 19 years, I would have loved for some older guys to to, to pour into my life as a younger minister and, and younger you know youth minister, right. pastor, and say, look, here's some things we've learned. Maybe you can learn from this. And, and so I'm trying to do that now. I've got two brothers-in-law. One's 32, one's 26. Um, one's a youth minister, and the other has just accepted his first position as pastor in a church. And so every time we're together or we talk on the phone, I look for opportunities and ways to say, you know, how's your ministry going? Here's some things that I've learned and, and try to pour into them uh, as new ministers so that they can be successful. And um, because the things that God has shown me and taught me, uh, he, he doesn't mean for those to be kept to myself. You know, he wants us to share those things. And, and, and that's one of the things I, I tell the congregation here after sermons is what you've learned today is for you, but it's also for you to share. And I, I think that applies to to the minister as well, what God has shown us in our ministries and and how we've been trained and learned. Take that and invest it forward into somebody else's life. So, I mean, if, if I could go back 10 years ago to speak to my younger self, uh, those are some things that, that I've learned over the past 10 years that I'd say, hey, pay attention to these things. And Man, that's really good. All we need is a DeLorean. <laughs> and a flux capacitor. And 88 miles per hour. 88 miles yeah. per hour. And we could go back in time. But we can't. And all we can do now is just make the changes in our life that we need to. That's right. I want to thank Bradley for letting us be here at First Baptist Church Nettleton. I want to thank you all for listening. Join us again next time.